Welcome to the People Part of Business, the podcast where we examine the ever-evolving landscape of company dynamics and the challenges within today's hiring climate. Today's HR teams are grappling with talent acquisition and retention in a wildly transformed landscape. Thanks to Peak 65, navigating remote and hybrid work, and succession planning during the Great Resignation. We'll be addressing these topics with some of the business world's top experts and thought leaders, getting their take on how senior leadership teams can emerge stronger and smarter amid these challenges. By the end of this conversation, you will come away with new perspectives and strategies that will help you and your team effectively manage your most important asset, your people. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the People Part of Business podcast. My name is Tiffany Vine, and I'm an account manager here at Corporate Relocation International. I'm here with my co-host. Hello, everyone. I'm Carlos Huareca, head of HR, and we're thrilled to be here with Greg Kelly. Greg, welcome, and thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. Good to be here. Great having you. Uh, Sergeant, can I call you Greg? Absolutely, yeah. I'm retired now, and that's Sergeant Major. (laughs) Well, Greg, you you, be, you serve as the Special Forces, the Army Special Forces for 22 years, the Marine Corps for four, five years. Tell us how that started and what did you, why were you interested in serving the Special Forces? Sure. Well, uh, my, my story started, I guess, in, in my own neighborhood growing up. Um, we kind of uh, had a put veterans in a very high esteem in the neighborhood that I grew up in, in Dorchester in Boston. And, um, I, I think some, some, some inputs that I had as a young child, um, that kind of drove me towards a desire to serve in the military. And it was family members and neighbors that had served before me. I started off in the U S Marines. I served as an infantryman in the second Marine division. And, uh, after that, I, I got out of the 2nd Marine Division, went into the 4th Marine Division, which is the reserve division of the Marine Corps. I served about a year in that. During that year, I was hired onto the City of Boston Fire Department. So that was 2000. And then into 2001, in the springtime or so, I, um, I found out about the 19th Special Forces, which is one of two reserve component, actually National Guard Bureau Special Forces groups. Um, had, uh, during my time in the Marines, I actually I interacted with the Green Berets, Special Forces, Army Special Forces, on a couple of a, different missions uh, to South America as well as um, uh, to Bosnia. And, you know, I, I knew that that was an elite group and and I was kind of driven for kind of the next uh, the next hard, hard thing, if you will, to ne- see if I could make it into that group. And and when I realized I could be a city of Boston firefighter and a Green Beret at the same time, I said, hey, I got to do that. So I went to their screening. Uh, I was brought into their um, kind of pre-selection uh, detachment. And, and it's basically a, they do a screening to get into the unit. And this is just on the National Guard side. Once you're, in the, once you're accepted into the unit, then you kind of wait for your opportunity to go to the Special Forces Assessment and Selection course. And, and so... After I was picked up by the unit, I went through a pretty, uh, pretty arduous couple week screening process, and was accepted into the unit. Probably within about two weeks of that was September 11th, 2001, and we watched as the attacks unfolded. Um, ultimately, I served at Ground Zero as a City of Boston firefighter with a couple hundred of my colleagues, 
from Boston who had gone down to New York City, including with my brother. Uh, my brother Ed had gone down with me. And um, and so we worked at Ground Zero. We kind of determined very quickly that we were a nation at war. I had already been screened and selected to join the, uh, at least have an opportunity to try out for the for special forces. And 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 in the weeks after September 11th, we saw what wound up being the fifth special forces group out of Fort Campbell, Kentucky, really um, just take the fight to the enemy, and from on horseback with B-52 strikes, and I, I it, it was just unbelievable. And at that time, I determined uh, that you know I really wanted to make sure that I was able to earn the Green Beret and 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 serve in the war with uh, with the special forces. So that's kind of how I wound up going that route well thank you for your service and that's a an amazing story how would you describe your experience in in military branch to now transitioning to the private sector how is that different how do you how do you relate one to the other i would say that there's a lot of um there's a lot of things that the military uh does very effectively um, one of the things that it's the new buzzword is um, diversity and inclusion and equity and all this. The, the military has been doing that for generations. Uh, I served with people of all, you know, walks of life, and nobody cares about that in the military. It's is at least in the units I served in, the Marines and Special Forces. I never saw it. We were all it was very close knit brotherhood from the Marine Infantry uh, through Special Forces, and and so. That's one. That's one aspect of, of something that the private sector could learn from the military, is to really we and even as a marine we would say you're a green marine. All marines are green. There's no colors, and and uh, you know so so that that level of uh, camaraderie and brotherhood just obliterated any any sense of you know racism or anything like that. It just didn't exist. You're closer to these people than you were to some family members. And, uh, you know, guys in your squad, your platoon, and then ultimately on your team and special forces. So that's one of the great aspects of the military. Uh, additionally, I'd say, uh, like we were talking a little bit before the show, in the private sector, they, they kind of screen for talent. In, in special operations community, in, and that's in all branches, Navy, SEALs, Marine Raiders, uh, Air Commandos, and Army Special Operations, which has a number of units involved in special operations from the army and you know they all screen for trust and character and then train for talent um, whereas in the private sector you might get someone with a great resume but they wind up being a toxic addition to your team and you can oftentimes spend a lot more energy getting rid of a toxic person than you would be you know than than it, than it takes to just screen them from the beginning and know that you're at, at some level dealing with the right person for your team. Yeah, that's such an interesting concept. Why don't you tell us more if you could expand? How do you how do you find the right fit, especially when you are thinking about character and trust? What are some of the the things that you can do to find that? Yeah, so I think part of it is defining okay, we break everything down to our priorities of work, mission team self. The mission comes first. It's why we exist. Okay, so it has to come first. There's no other purpose for this group to get together except for the mission. And that and that could be in the private sector, whatever the product is or whatever. So so defining what the end state is, 
Okay. And then, and then looking for the attributes of someone that could help get you there. But a, a lot of the, a lot of the attributes that, you know, that we're looking for in special operations and that, and, and quite frankly, you'd be looking for on any team. It, if, if you're the, the new England Patriots or whatever your favorite team is, uh, and uh, you know, whatever team it is, you're looking for an abundance of character and abundance of talent. You can be really, really good at what we're doing, but, but you're a bad person. In which case, I want nothing to do with you. I don't. We'll figure it out without you. Okay. Conversely, you could be. You know, you're a great person, but you have no idea what we're doing. In which case, I like you, but that's not really going to help us get to the end state, which is to execute the mission. So, so I think by defining what your end states are for the role that this person's being hired into, and then you, you can you can derive from that what you're looking for. But generally, they're going to be overlapping. I'm looking for trust. Trust is kind of the, the coin of the realm, especially in the military. You know, you're trusting people to people's decisions, uh, your life with other people's decisions. And, 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 then, and then, you know, the reverse is true also. They're trusting you. So, so I think, you know, coming up with the attributes that can help define what trust looks like in your organization, I, I think that is the, the kind of the, like they say, the coin of the realm, trust. Once you have trust, then you have, okay, from there you can, you know, you, you, you can, when the, when the boss trusts you and trusts your judgment, you'll have less supervision because he, he trusts your judgment, he or she. We, we like to say in, in special forces, you know, nobody cares how much you know until they know how much you care. Okay. So, so and, and that's the same in the infantry that you, you have, your supervisors, you know, are, are looking after you in all aspects. And then you come to the private sector and, you know, I guess I would say there's a distinction between um, management and leadership. And this is often overlooked and I see it in the fire service as well. You know, a lot of people think that if you get something pinned on your shirt and you're elevated in the, in the chain of command, if you will, of the organization, that somehow that makes you a leader. And it doesn't. Leadership is a choice. It's a personal choice. I can promote you to a higher managerial position, but I can't promote you to leadership. You have to decide to lead. That leadership, it, it's, it's a verb, not a position. So, so, so what I see in the private sector is a lot less um, care and love for the, for the, if you will, subordinate, for, for the person being managed or led. Um, you know, it's important for the leader to know that person on a personal level and know, you know, okay, they're coming into work today and they're real edgy and stressed out and, and be able to identify like, hey, he or she is not normally like that. Let me let me talk to talk to them and, and, and see if everything's okay and, and let me let me see what's going on or what's bugging them. Because ultimately, you know, say they could be having great hardship at home or with a loved one or or a or a or a parent or something. And or or something happened to a child, and this is this is transferring into the workspace. So you know that that that's the biggest thing I, I see. There's less, there's certainly less leadership. There's certainly an assumption that you're a leader because you have rank or or stature within an organization. That's absurd. A, a leader leadership's omnidirectional. Anybody can lead. Okay, I as a very low ranking marine and soldier. I was a leader. I was a more or less just a less experienced version of myself now, but I was always a leader. Okay. 
And, you know, and, and that was practicing the leadership traits. And that was, you know, you, you can lead your superiors, you can lead your subordinates, of course, you can lead your peers. Okay. Right. And so, so that I think the leadership's a big gap when you come from the military over to the private sector. And, and I think that part of it is that personal kind of love and, and care for, for, for the people that work for you and, and, and on, on, a, on that personal level. And like I said, I always go back to, you know, uh, nobody cares how much you know until they know how much you care, you know? Greg, I know you spoke about uh, the military looking for more raw characteristics and soft skills. Obviously, the military has a pretty firm and direct approach of developing that in into the, the kind yeah. of person that they would want. How do you see that translating to the private sector? How can they take raw skills and develop those? I think, um, so of course, the military promotes from within, right? And so what that engenders is a lot more loyalty towards the team into the organization that they work for. And you know, you get you might get moved within the organization, but you're going they promote from within, right? The general doesn't come from out of space somewhere. He's from the organization. So so you know, and and you know, you see oh they hired a CEO or for example and uh you know, and the guy had nothing to do with our organization. He's just got a great resume and we'll see how we'll see how he leads when he gets here, you know. And and so uh I think you know, promoting from within and then fostering more of an elite team, keeping the same people. It takes a long time to select and train a person. And then now you have them operating within your organization. Uh, it requires constant counseling. That's another big gap. Okay. In the private sector, there's rarely proper uh, regular counseling and, and, um, and, and, and performance counseling, you know, translates. Any, any subordinate wants to do well wants to execute what the boss has tasked them with. So, you know, when they fail to do that, oftentimes it's a communication breakdown. You know, did did I did I explain this to this person properly? They they're not performing to the level, but is it because they're incapable or because I was a I poorly communicated my desired end state to them? Communication is the key to every relationship and certainly between that of a um uh, a manager or a leader and uh, his or her subordinate. You know, I, I would say, you know, communication is the key to everything, right? It's it's the key between my relationship with my wife and my relationship with the, with the enemy. I may be communicating to the enemy at 2,700 feet per second with a high volume of accurate fire out of a machine gun. Well, that's communication. I'm, I'm expressing to them that I'm displeased with their behavior, okay? But, but it's still communication. And communication is the key. And, if, and communication is not right or wrong, uh, true or false. Here's another thing, right? And this goes back to personal relationships. It, you know, you, you could be correct to say, hey, subordinate, you just screwed that up. But the desired end state of this communication is that we change the behavior. So you kind of customize your, your message for the subordinate, okay? Maybe this one responds better to, if you will, a boot in the ass. And maybe the other one responds better by rubbing them on the back and saying, "Man, you're great. You're the best." Uh, you, you know, and, and, and you, so 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 the the key to communication is it's effective. You you have to tailor your message and and sometimes tailor your leadership uh, to who it is that you're leading. 
what's the most effective way to get to the desired end state? It may be a boot in the ass or it may be telling them how great they are. But, but as long as we get the job done, who cares? You know, as long as we're not, as long as we're being ethical, then who cares? Well, that's, a, that's such an interesting thought. You know, in the private sector, we're constantly thinking about performance and behaviors. And there's obviously a correlation between the two of them. Why don't you expand more in the military side? What are some of the tactics that you use to drive performance or to drive the behaviors that you expect? in the military and how do you see them correlating then on the private sector? I think certainly one of the key tenets of military leadership is leading by example. So never asking a subordinate to perform a task that you're not willing to do yourself. So whenever given the opportunity to get down there in the ditch and help them dig it, you know, sometimes, sometimes, you know, the leader doesn't need to be there. They need to be in that key leadership role and looking after the the troops and and taking care of them. But there are other times and other opportunities where a superior can um, take that opportunity to get in there and show the men or the women that, hey, I'm willing to bear this burden with you. And, you know, uh, uh, the simplest of of things that we do in the military, and you may not often have the opportunity to do it in the private sector, but for example, the officers and senior enlisted uh, non-commissioned officers would never eat food before all the all the most junior soldiers have eaten you know they 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 make sure they 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 make sure the troops see them taking care of them what that engenders is a lot of uh loyalty i could go through the leadership traits that i was taught as a private in the marines and uh there's 14 of them uh, judgment justice decisiveness integrity dependability tact initiative enthusiasm bearing unselfishness knowledge courage loyalty and endurance but I, by add to that some of my own, one is humility, one is uh, love. I think love is a big distinction between management and leadership. You go out there on the battlefield and you're willing to risk your life for your teammates. That's an act of love. People know when you genuinely care for them. And, and so if you don't genuinely care for your people, that's going to come through. And you, you just look at them at, you know, as, as a you know, means to an end or whatever and and not as a person, then uh, you're going to have a less cohesive team, and 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 the people that are that are working for you, they they may be you know have a lower level of education, but but their intelligence could be on par. They just had different opportunities in their life, so so they, through their intelligence, they can see, hey, this guy really genuinely cares for me, and I, and we've been able to do that in special forces across cultural, religious, uh, ethnic divides and and religious divides even that's without a, a translator a person can just read your body language and and see hey this, this person doesn't care much for me okay right. i don't know what's coming out of his mouth because it's a different language but i can tell he doesn't care much for me or conversely i don't know what the hell he's saying but i can tell this guy really likes us you know and and so that's important to to communicate both verbally and 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 through nonverbal means how important all those people are to your team. That's so interesting. You know, I, I even think about conversations that I've had with the leadership team for the company we work for. And I actually have found myself constantly saying a few of the words that you just shared right now. People will genuinely see if you care or not care. So we have to be very intentional. I thought it was very interesting. You've used the word caring multiple times. Uh, showing love multiple times, 
And at times, someone may think that in the military, you're not allowed to show your emotion. Why is love so important? Uh, lo- lo- like I said, love is the, for me, it's the distinction between leadership and management. And, and, and when people know that, you know, you, you're, you're competent and you love them, they will follow you anywhere. And, and when you, you know, I, I can think back to an occasion that I had where we were not in a good position and uh, we had a couple of our friends were wounded and, and a person who, who I really respect came up to me uh, and we were kind of not sure how this day was going to play out, if you will. And he said, uh, you know, kind of, hey, what do you think? You, you know, just bouncing, bouncing it off me. It was kind of a lull in the fight. And, and um, you know, right before he asked me that, I, I was fairly apprehensive myself because, I, again, I wasn't sure how the day was going to play out uh, or, or, you know, if we were done bleeding for the day or if we were just getting started. I just wasn't sure. But I said, I think this is the most dangerous valley in Afghanistan because we're here. We're the dangerous ones. And, 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 and just that couple of seconds of saying that kind of, you know, my, my, my good friend that, that had come up to me and asked me that he just kind of smirks and laughs. He says, and I won't say exactly what he said, but he kind of swears and says, yeah, he says, yeah, he goes, yeah, forget these guys. Let's go, you know, let's go take care of this problem right here. So, and, 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 you know, sometimes when it seems like it's the, the worst of times, you know, um, a leader can step in there and really lighten the mood with just a, a short comment and, and really flip the the kind of picture in everyone's mind. They say, oh, the boss isn't worried. I'm not worried. A people part of business takeaway. Legendary NCAA basketball coach John Wooden once said, the most powerful leadership tool you have is your own personal example. Those words don't just echo throughout the sports arena, they resonate wherever you find people leading others and serve as the foundation of exceptional leadership. From the basketball court to the battlefield to the boardroom, leading by example has universal impact. It goes beyond a coaching strategy or a military tactic. It's a philosophy that has been proven again and again within the loyalty it engenders and the greatness it inspires. Because when actions align with words, it creates an attitude and work ethic that can accomplish anything. You can't manufacture loyalty. That's only created through trusting in the people above you. And obviously in the military, you have to trust people with your life, the people you're working with. So it's a little, you know, not quite as severe in business, but you still get to the, to the loyalty in the same manner, feeling like the people above you truly care about you. Yeah, without a doubt. And, and uh, you know, like you said, trust, that's the, you know, regardless of what line of work you're in, when you when you trust people, everything's better. You know, you you have a and 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 the and people get more leeway around you because you you've built you've built this trust. And a lot of times in the military, we almost start off with a assumption of trust um, in our our colleagues, if you will, and it's kind of theirs to lose. You know, uh, you know, you know. In other words, you wouldn't be here if you didn't demonstrate some level of loyalty and trust to this point. So um, I, I think it's something that has to be fostered within the private sector. I think a, a, a selfless mindset has to be fostered within the team. And, you know, because I think generally speaking, uh, people are naturally going to default unless otherwise coached and mentored. They're, they default to somewhat selfish mindsets. But you can see different uh, occurrences where that's kind of obliterated 
uh, during the most extreme of circumstances. And that might be, you, you, you see it sometimes in, in natural disasters and things like this, where communities really come out and, and help each other. And, and, uh, and that's a beautiful thing, you know? So, but, but I think within a team, within the private sector, within a company, you know, there, there has to be a, a fostered sense of dedication to the mission and the team above self, because it's that selfishness that becomes a cancer within a team. There has to be a level of treating everybody fairly and equally. And, and like, and they have to see that it has to, you know, Hey, last time you got the good deal. So no, it should be my turn to get the good deal. Right? Yes, you're correct. So not playing favorites, I, I guess, in other words, the people part of business, this show, it's, it's about the people. And I just find it fascinating that you talk with so much passion about the people. Um, one concept that I want to bring up, and maybe you can help us expand a little more, is the concept of being a team player and collaborating with, within the team. How is, how is that different in the private sector than in the military? Or do you find it to be very similar and it's just a matter of translating what you do perhaps in a better field than doing it in, in a business setting? It should be largely the same, okay? It should be fostered in the same manner. I remember sitting at an event with uh, Robert Kraft and he had a great line. He said, I'm not looking for the um, team with the most talent. I'm looking for the most talented team. Okay, so like collectively, we should form this thing that it, it, should I fail, someone else comes right up behind me. And, 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 and it's an interlocking support mechanism. You foster it by, by you know, people seeing you, whether it's peers, subordinates, or superiors. They see you taking care of them, okay? We have a thing in, for example, um, close quarters battle when we're doing building assaults. And we always say the number one man in the room, he's never wrong. Whichever way he goes, the other guy goes the opposite way. And then if somebody screws something up, it's just the guy behind you comes in and fills in that hole. Okay. If you, you, had, a, you had a lapse in judgment, you, oh, okay, you got confused. The guy behind you just comes up and plugs whatever the problem is. And, and, and so when, when you foster that by doing it, okay, by constantly not saying, look, you know, he screwed up. It's, it's when you quietly pick that guy up, dust him off, help him clean up the mess. You don't tell anyone. And then when you drop the pan or whatever it is, he's helping you clean up next week. Okay. Cause we're all going to falter at different times. Nobody's impervious. Nobody's perfect. We're not just here for you, for example. Okay. We're here to, to get this job done, whatever it is. Okay. Uh, we're, we're here to get this product to market or this product to our customers. That's the end state. A byproduct of that is, you know, we're going to do it as a team. Okay. This can't be done by, by me alone, right? They can't, there's no, uh, they can't just drop one individual in there and, and everything gets taken care of. No, you go in as a team, you mutually support each other and then, you know, pursue the end state together. But, but you got to have that clear defined end state. Everybody, I always think back to the D-Day invasion, the paratroops all came in and were scattered all over the place. Nobody was with their own unit. Everybody on the ground had a different mission. But one boss would say, hey, you 10 over here. This is what we're doing. And because they knew what the end state was. Now, now the plan on the plan on how to get to the end state went out the door. That was gone. But that's what we call the commander's intent. When, when we put together an operations order in the military, and, and it's a, the operations order is a very detailed order 
that's going to be ta- uh, given to subordinate elements of the unit to go execute a mission. And but key among that is the commander's intent. Look, at the end of the day, you know we want the bad guys off that hill. Okay, now now this is how we think we're going to do it. But the enemy has a vote, right? And then so things that are outside of your company's control has a vote. And and so you may have to react and adjust. So you want adaptable people. Okay, they know what the end state is. We might have to, we thought we were going straight down the middle, but n- now we have to go around the obstacle or through it or under it or over it. So so that's kind of, uh, you know, that's fostering that mutual support for each other, adaptability. And that's really what's going to be the secret to your success because oftentimes the plan does not go as briefed. We've talked with multiple people in, in, in our show, and uh, we often hear them talk about failure and how they embrace, almost seek failure to grow. How does that look like in the special forces? It's not obviously encouraged. It, it's, we, what we do is we will we'll conduct an operation. It will not go exactly according to the way we thought it was going to. And, and there could be a number of contributing factors to that. And, and so when we get back off of a, off of a mission and it could be, you know, name anything that you're doing in the private sector, it could be, it could be whatever. Okay. It could be a conference, could be anything. But when we get back, we do an after action report on that. And, and that's where the, kind of the rank comes off. People can be honest. Sometimes they get emotional because sometimes crazy things happen and, you know, they, you know, sometimes there's yelling in there. Hey, you screwed that up. But, but we get it all out on the table. We're able to talk about it, and then we're able to we're able to capture that, and we're able to make sure that specific problem doesn't happen again. And and it's important to to allow subordinates to learn and grow. You don't typecast them into a certain role. Oh, he's the village idiot. Keep telling him he's the village idiot. He's going to start believing it, and then, and it's gonna it's gonna it's gonna impact his life in ways that you don't even know about. Okay, so. Very rarely is, I mean, no one's the village idiot. They may even be just ineffective in the role that you put them in, okay? But they're not the village idiot. So so we either find another role for them, or in some cases we say, you know, you know, I'm not mad at you. You, you know, you just, you're not, a, you're not the right fit for this role. And, and we're either going to move you to this other role, or unfortunately, we're going to actually move you out of, off the team entirely, because that's what the mission demands. We can't have the role that we hired you for not being taken if i had a communication sergeant on my special forces a team you know and he doesn't know how to work radios and we're constantly behind enemy lines and not able to talk that's a problem again i my on behalf of my family i thank you for for your service to our country but you are off of our team because you cannot perform the task for which uh, i i i hired you that's a combat situation that there, there there are you know thousands of other smaller less you know less significant less impactful uh events that are happening over the course of your military career and and th- those subordinates i i i like to press as much responsibility down to them as possible because that's that's how my superiors that's what they did to me uh, even as a young marine and i would say especially in the marines are very good at that they they press their their young leaders to take on as much responsibility as they can almost right up to where and again, I, like I said, in, I did it in special forces, almost right up to where that that person is just almost outside of their comfort zone. 
that's a great place to work because that's where they're going to learn a lot. And, and, and I, was, I always learned the next higher job by being tasked to do it. And I always felt like, geez, am I, am I ready to move up to that next bigger role? I, I, I kind of always moved up there apprehensively and, and really kind of thought, I don't, I don't know if I'm, if I'm there yet. But they put you in that job. You, you learn that job. You get a few, a few laps in. And, 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 you, and, you, and you start to build your comfort zone there. And hopefully you can get those laps in, on, you know, kind of in that training environment. And, and then by the time you're, you're, you know, going into that most extreme of circumstances, again, in whatever, whatever line of work you're in, whatever that looks like, you know, hopefully you, that subordinate has a few reps before they're actually running things. And that's another thing where in the military, we build in a lot of redundancy with our succession of command. A, a, a superior is always training their, their replacement, and that, that that is just continuous. And so, if something were to happen to me, hopefully that I, I've trained that person well enough where they can step right up into my role uh, if if I were to become off uh, out of the picture for one reason or the other. And that's why we love this dialogue because, quite frankly, there are so many similarities in what the military does to the private sector you know we're often talking about coaching and developing and just like you illustrated sometimes we just have to have a an honest conversation and say you're just not a good fit for this role right and again like you stated you try to help develop the skill set but sometimes it's just not a a good fit from my own professional experience interviewing someone who has been in the military and it's going through that transition, even putting a resume together uh, and also for the private sector, understanding that resume could be challenging. So it's like almost taking the time and understand that there are so many similarities. And by the way, a skill set that we also need in the private sector, you talked about adaptability. You talked about being able to quickly adjust if you fail. And, and that's a skill set that you're constantly looking in, in the private sector. So that's why we are really enjoying this conversation with you, Greg, because it is important to highlight those similarities and, and obviously uh, highlight the skill set that exists, that it's transferable into the private sector. Well, and definitely that aspect of being tasked for things just outside of your comfort zone and, and really learning what you're capable of because of that. That's where I've seen in business what I've been capable of is when I was given a task I didn't actually think I was quite ready for. Without a doubt, uh, getting that task that you don't feel you're quite ready for, but then you're able to rise to the occasion. You put a lot of pressure on yourself to perform at that point. You say, well, geez, the boss trusted me to do this. So, uh, you know, I don't want to let him or her down. So let me you know, let me redouble my effort to make sure I pull this off. And then, and then if I, if I'm able to execute at the level they're looking for, well, maybe this is a permanent position for me. But even if it's not, maybe it's just temporary. It's still an opportunity to learn and grow. I try to, I'm always like a student of leadership. I like to consider myself a, a student practitioner and teacher of leadership, all, all, all kind of, uh, you know, at one, uh, you know, I'm, I'm still, even though I'm 27 years military and, and, and retired out of the military, I still read and, and, and try to foster a better leader within myself and, 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 and work on my communication skills with my colleagues, with my family, with my children. And the thing about leadership, it's, uh, it doesn't really matter. Like the, the leadership traits don't change based on whether I'm communicating with uh, family, friends, uh, coworkers, or what have you. Uh, so, so it's kind of, it's something I'm, 
constantly refining. And then the other piece is uh, resilience, you know, uh, faith and discipline. Um, I always talk about faith uh, whenever I have the opportunity to, you know, w- w- as a person of faith, I always know that, hey, even if I'm surrounded, outnumbered and low on ammo, I'm, I'm right where I'm supposed to be at this time. Everything is in, you know, I've got that faith to say, hey, everything, God has a plan here and it's better than mine. So I just have to stay tuned and, and, and stay sharp, you know, and and make sound timely decisions, you know. So I was, I was talking about faith and then I say discipline. Uh, and this is something that you definitely get impressed upon you in, in the military and, 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 and perhaps specifically in the infantry and special operations discipline over motivation because motivation essentially gets cold, wet, tired, and hungry. Sometimes you just don't feel like doing what you know you need to do, but discipline's a choice just like leadership. So, so you can just, okay, I don't feel like, you know, getting up in the morning and going for a run, but who cares what I feel like? I got it on the calendar, so I'm going to go and do it. And, and, and that's where, you, you know, discipline's a weapon, you know, and, and whereas, you know, kind of motivation's a temporary condition, you know, it's like ice cream. It's nice while it's there. Enjoy it if you have it. But if it melts away, then it's, you may still have to execute a dessert plan, you know? So, and and then I say the indomitable warrior spirit, which is, which is just constantly refining uh, or, or, or reinforcing within yourself that warrior spirit that says, you know, uh, as long as I have air in my lungs and, and blood in my veins, I'm never out of the fight, you know? Constantly fostering those personal resilience skills within yourself. And then of course, within your subordinates and your team makes for a very positive team environment. And when, and when you have a positive environment, that's the biggest thing I'm, I'm scouting for as a, as a boss in special forces was that, that one toxic person. I'm getting that person off the team so fast. They're not going to know what happened. I don't care what, what their background. I don't know. I don't want to know anything about them. They're toxic. Get them out of here because it's going to poison the team and it's going to ultimately affect the mission. And then, and then when I say, I, I mentioned about, you know, looking after someone in terms of, you know, I, I was told my team guys like, hey, you know, if, if a certain colleague is restless and uptight or something today, hey, maybe give them the space instead of saying, call them right out and trying to stick each other's, your chest in each other's face. No, maybe give them, give them some space, let them cool down and circle back in later and say, hey, everything all right, man? Hey, bro, you all right? You know, and, and, and kind of. <laughs> Keep that keep that tension low within the team and keep that morale high and and and, and when you do it like that, hey, you, you're going to execute that mission and the boss is going to keep looking down saying, "Damn, that team right there, they just keep crushing it. What is their deal?" You know, and and that that's the deal. It's it's fostering that that elite team and like I said, leadership's a choice, right? Well, being elite's a choice. Being elite's not wearing a Navy SEAL pin or putting a green beret hat on, that doesn't make you elite. That's a hat and a pin, okay? But it's a personal choice, you know, to, to say, no, okay, this is the standard? Oh, okay. Well, in special forces, we like to say the maximum is the minimum. I'm not trying to pass the test. I'm trying to max the test and then some with some runway on the far end of it. So, so, so fostering that elite environment is that. Like, hey, what's the, what's the minimum? Okay, now we know like we're, we're going to obliterate the minimum. What's the maximum? We're going to set the new standard. When you get the whole team kind of fighting from that position, um, you're gonna you're gonna get some stuff done for the mission. It's like you're constantly racing the bar then with that mentality. That that that's the deal. Yeah, you you just, you just constantly raise the bar, and and they'll raise to it. 
you know, you can't raise it by a mile, but you can say, this is, this is what the boss thinks is a hundred percent. So like, that's going to be our starting point. We're going to, we're going to go there. Then we're going to get started. Okay. And, 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 you know, it's, it, it will impact, it will have a positive impact on your mission. It'll have a positive impact on your team. And ultimately it'll have a positive impact on, on yourself. Like I said, mission team self as your priorities of work. Hey, self is going to do a lot better when you get the mission done and the team's well taken care of. Self is going to be doing very well when you do it that way. You know, and I like to always visualize mission in capital letters, team below that with a capital T and self down at the bottom, all lowercase. And and, and that's how I'd, I'd have them spray paint that on our operations center. Uh, I'd have them spray painted on the door. So every time you, you have to go exit the door, you have to walk by that sign, you know? So mission team self, you know? So keep everybody focused on why we're here. If you're bringing them up properly and you're, and you're, you're fostering their personal development, you know, they're going to be executing at a high level for you. And, and ultimately, uh, as a leader, I used to like to say, and this is, you hear this a lot around special operations forces, but we like to say, uh, my people are my credentials. And, and when you have the right people behind you, that gives you the confidence to go in there in front of the boss and say, you know, you know, slam your hand down on the desk and say, Hey, listen up, uh, you know, and, and cause, cause you know, you're representing people that are, that are, you know, professionals and experts at what they're doing. And, uh, so I always like to remind myself that my, my people are my credentials. It always gave me a lot of confidence knowing who was behind me and who I was representing. You know, Greg, I did want to ask you, I noticed your shirt that says the Green Brave Foundation. Will you tell us a little bit about that? What's your involvement with it? I have a foundation that I'm involved with uh, out of Boston, which, which is the Massachusetts Fallen Heroes Memorial. And and what we kind of have a three-pronged mission there, and that's to uh, memorialize the fallen, of course. But we say uh, uh, honor, support, and power. We honor the fallen. We support their surviving Gold Star family members. And we empower veterans through a, a few programs and services that we offer. Green Beret Foundation, the uh, nationwide nonprofit organization, ours is Massachusetts centric. Uh, however, we are launching an InnoVets program to bring uh, veteran entrepreneurs up, and um, and and with a with a niche cut out for uh, Codex, which is which is bringing v- people right out of military service right into a training pipeline to get into the cybersecurity uh, realm. Okay, people think, uh, you know, World War Three. Well, we're in World War C right now with with the cyber uh, crime and everything right now. So, basically, Green, Green Beret Foundation looks after uh, special forces uh, veterans and their families, and and that could be, they could be, you know, still on active duty, in 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 need of certain support. They could be veterans from Vietnam War or whatever uh, that 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 were special forces members. And or, or their family members. So, so Green Beret Foundation is outstanding. They're helping a lot of people in the Special Forces community. So hats off to them. And I appreciate their, their help for me when I was injured. Well, Greg Kelly, thank you again for your service and thank you for your time. Absolutely. It's a, it's a privilege. Thank you. Thanks for joining us today on the People Part of Business podcast. We hope you found our dialogue enriching and the insights valuable. These explorations enable us to examine the strategies, accomplishments, and obstacles companies face as they maneuver a constantly changing business landscape, while bringing us back to the best ways to manage the most important asset they have, their people. Because when people thrive, businesses thrive. 
Subscribe to our podcast to stay in the loop about our upcoming episodes.